good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Angie Morgan. And this month we have another special episode of This Month in EUC. Um, before we get started, how are you doing today, Andrew? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, I started off uh, the week with a head cold, got rid of that pretty early, and then I went out to my MMA training session for my daily dose of beating up. So that was good. Feeling a bit sore today. Um, but yeah, no, looking forward to another this month in the UFC. We've we've had a very busy month, and uh, thanks very much to Case and Thomas for coming back and and being our panel guys. Hi to Case. Hi Thomas. Hi Andrew. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's happy to be back. So to keep things rolling and get started, um, one of the first topics I could talk about today is the Dell EMC acquisition. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Oh, snore. Uh, personally, snore. I mean, look, it, it's huge news, obviously. It's one of the biggest acquisitions in the tech market, if not the biggest one. You know, um, I... I'm struggling to understand what, where the synergy is between these two, and I'm also struggling to understand where the money came from, given that Dell had to go private recently. But um, it's it's an interesting play, and I'll throw it down to the floor. Um, anybody else want to jump in? Well, I do. Yeah, I, I mean, do see the synergy in in terms of uh, Dell having a play with the Equalogic and compelling storage solutions, um, mostly focusing on SMB and mid market and EMC. Being a large player in enterprises, it, it, it there there could be some synergy in there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Dell has um, perfected the model of you know getting equipment to to customers very fast, whereas some of their um, their weaker spots have been in the enterprise. But um, EMC seems to fit that slot nicely. But what's interesting is what's going to happen with you know, all the ancillary products, you know, all the VMware still says they're going to say, stay public, but what happens to wise, what happens to quest, um, things like that, that really, you know, pertain to our EUC focus. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, the, there was the rumor that the Citrix was, uh, you know, um, as I said last month, uh, had its, uh, you know, lovely frock on, and it went speed dating with Dell for 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 a possible acquisition. Obviously, that that's not going to happen now, given that uh, you know they've they've acquired a, or at least you know signed themselves up for you know a millennia of debt. So um, you know, it, it's definitely interesting. I, I agree with you there as well. I mean, they do have they do have similar, um, or they they do have key strengths, and they do have um, have. Uh, synergies where you know EMC uh, enterprise storage Dell had you know the compellent range but you know it wouldn't even be in the same kind of league as, as EMC so I, I see that um, I mean obviously VMware stock has taken a bit of a whack for it but uh, you know from from VMware's point of view there's there's um, there, there, there you know it's business as usual for them um, personally for VMware I think this is actually a really good move if the, if they if they work it right I mean look Evo Rail and Evo Rack has had a, a little bit of a rocky start if, if I can call it that but I mean <laughs> if um, um, that wasn't supposed to be sarcastic, but okay, let's let's play that that way. So um, even even with that in mind, I mean, obviously to to have to create this kind of um, you know turnkey solution that they're doing with Evo Rail, they they have to partner up with Lenovo, it's partner with HP, it's partner with Dell, and you know every other you know Supermicro and all that kind of stuff. So at least now with Dell, they actually have an opportunity to potentially pump out something that that you know has a hardware based platform. The partners still want to play even after this this uh, you know kind of massive move. That and everybody's going to benefit. Would that be fair? Yeah, my, my biggest question, though, is there is some overlap um, between what EMC has, what Dell has, um, and, what, and what VMware has. And the other thing is, too, is that how does that affect the Cisco relationship? And so, you know, we saw that thing on Reuters about 
them selling off some pieces um, like Quest Software and a couple other pieces in you know, the Aperture, Sonic Wall, and so forth, are they going to do away with the Force 10 and Power Connect stuff in favor of Cisco to kind of keep that partnership alive? You know, so, you know, how does that play in a factor? The other thing, too, is, you know, what's going to happen with, uh, from an EUC perspective, what, what's going to happen with the workspace? You know, is that going to get jettisoned? Um, is that going to end up being, <clears throat> you know, purchased by somebody else? Is it, you know, so how is that going to fit into the play as well? And even the compelling ecologic stuff, when we look at EMC with their VNXE line um, and their VNX line, you still have some overlap there on, on, the, on that storage as well. So it's going to be interesting to, to see how everything shakes out. Um, in the long run of what the new Dell EMC VMware looks like. I think with uh, with the qualities that are incorporated into vWorkspace, I think it would be a, a big shame if, if um, it would be uh, downgraded to a minor play um, if it wasn't already by, by the acquisition of Quest um, by Dell. Um, I would love to have... Um, uh, to have that more promoted because it's actually a pretty good product. I mean, it, it, it's really, um, um, useful. It could do some work in, um, in the interfacing, but it's a view workspace. I was really surprised about, uh, all the features it has. So, uh, hopefully they'll, uh, they, either they're gonna, uh, keep rocking it or, uh, maybe they need to sell it off, but hopefully it will land somewhere where it can be done justice. Also, keep in mind that vWorkspace, while it was originally a Quest product, has lately been moved under the Wise brand within Dell. So if they do sell off Quest, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that vWorkspace will be included. But I completely agree with Keith. Um, I, I would hate to see them uh, ditch that product, basically, because everything that Dell has said throughout this acquisition is they want to remain open and integrating with other solutions so if they focus just on VMware, just on vSphere, then that would be a huge mistake in my in my mind. No, I, I, I completely agree with that too. And if something was to come out of that whole vWorkspace Wise thing, you know, keeping Wise pieces is the obvious thing to do because they'll have the end-to-end -end stack, but yeah, there's still going to be question marks about vWorkspace as if this moves along. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo what what Thomas said. I was I was going to say something similar. I mean, VWorkspace was was quickly um, you know sucked into the, into the Wise brand to create that that kind of you know clever uh, kind of you know thin client to, to to virtualization solution. And I I, I you got to bear in mind, Quest was a big comp a big software company in the sense that you know it had lots of point solutions for Exchange, for Active Directory, for for uh, all kinds of migration tools that that were available there. So yeah, I I, I personally don't see VWorkspace going anywhere. A because it's good. B because I don't want it to. Because I like it. And C because Pat <laughs> Patrick Rouse is awesome, and I want to talk to him again next time they've yes. got a big release coming out too. <laughs> yes, so yes. Uh, yeah, no, it, it it is interesting. But I mean, the VCE point um, that, that we hit on earlier on. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, straight after the, the the announcement, I was I was straight onto the VCE website, and of course there was a hand signed letter there, kind of scanned and put up on the page with signatures from everybody involved, saying we're all going to play ball here. But I mean, realistically speaking, I can't see that relationship lasting too much longer. Longer personally, um, uh, one thing Brian Madden alluded to uh, in, in his blog series, and then App, App Detective jumped in with, with uh, a wall of text, which was a good wall of text, but a wall of text. Aside from Brian calling me nobody, which I'll, I'll get over eventually, um, there, it was um, it was uh, it was an it was it was an interesting you know kind of turn to see you know will Cisco finally kind of 
by Citrix? Will they look at Citrix now? I mean, given that Citrix has a hypervisor, given that Cisco has hardware and networking, and Cisco or Citrix have Netscaler, and you know, Cisco obviously like that because they've been on stage a couple of times talking about how awesome it is. I um, I personally, I feel that that would be another that'd be you know, a next great kind of acquisition for Cisco because a it would allow you know us Citrix fans to see Citrix stay together because it's not looking that way at the moment. And B, um, you know, it had only kind of helped Cisco's uh, hardware slash virtualization platform going forward. And then, you know, just to finalize on that, you know, if Melio ever does make it to to, to, to the hypervisor layer as opposed to its current format, that, that would open up hyperconvergence in theory to Cisco too. Yeah, but you, you think about those, Cisco buying all of Citrix would be a big chunk of cash because, you know, what are they, like a $5 billion dollar revenue company and usually you're buying for three times revenue so is cisco really going to pay that much for citrix um you know with the talk of go to or citrix online being spun off to its own entity you know that may lessen the cost of the deal but from a cisco standpoint i will be looking at buying parts and not the whole the whole product and you know i know that's a topic of debate because there's one piece in there namely netscaler as to what would Citrix do in that situation with Netscaler, you know, being integrated with, you know, Zen apps and desktops and mobile share file, you know, all the products on there, you name it, you know, how would that transition look? You know, I, I really think that Cisco is, is looking at a acquisition in the hyperconverged market. Um, looking at the, the Flexpot and VBlock, VC is, is nearly dead. Um, Flexpot with NetApp, I mean, you know, NetApp isn't going anywhere at this moment. Um, so I really think that Cisco is is um, more focusing on how do how do we get a hyperconverged play because we we're seeing a lot of traction in the market, and they do have this agreement with Simplicity, but I'm not sure if that's taken off the way Cisco wants wants it to be. Um, we already know what what happened with uh, with their Whiptail acquisition. I think it was 450 million dollars. <laughs> down the drain you know so i really think that cisco is more looking into some other pieces of the puzzle in terms of um uh, getting getting that hyperconverged play in place for cisco as well yeah i mean we keep hearing these rumors that cisco will buy a hyperconverged offering you know they've got that that partnership with simplicity but like you said case i mean i haven't seen much come of that um but you know, also people have been saying for quite a while that they need to just go ahead and buy Citrix because that would at least give them a hypervisor. You know, it's there. there's so many balls up in the air that Cisco could do that would just radically change this industry. Um, it's it's kind of an exciting time to be in our field. Yeah, everybody wants hypervisor. I couldn't. No, I couldn't agree with you more in regards to that. It, it's a it's a fascinating time to watch. And I mean, to 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 you know, Jerry, and you mentioned kind of cutting Citrix up. I mean, I think that the 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 Citrix piece as a whole would actually lend itself well to Cisco in a sense that you know Cisco's big big cash cow at the moment is is enterprise. It's the top Fortune five hundred. You know, all of their routing and switching is done via Cisco, and I think they're perfectly bankrolled at the moment, and they will carry on to do so for a while. But I mean, when you look at cloud plays, hyperconvergence, desktop virtual you know all that kind of stuff. I think Citrix could lend itself well. The person not being a fan of WebEx, I'd, I'd love to see the go-to suite <laughs> replace it. Um, so it's um, you know it's 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 an interesting time.
time, as has been pointed out, more will become apparent as time goes by. And you know, while while it is uh, uh, you know intention to purchase, they're, 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 these things can and will fall apart if if the if the figures aren't there. So it's going to be an interesting time for now to watch and see what happens. But um, anyway, moving on. Um, VMware World, VMworld 2015 in Barcelona happened a couple of weeks ago, and I was lucky enough, thanks to our sponsor Control Up, for being there. Um, it wasn't a great conference, if I'm brutally honest, from an EUC perspective. There was a lot of talk uh, about kind of future vision um, features and functionality that were kind of already spoken about, uh, particularly, um, you know, Project A Squared. We got a little closer look at that. By closer look, I, I still mean wireframes and, you know, kind of canned demos, but the idea of, of taking packages and being able to take them from your desktop virtualization suite and deploy them out to your, your mobile workforce on laptops is, is an interesting play. I mean, they they made one acquisition in the EUC space, which was good. Uh, you know, a boxer for for um for kind of mail and calendar and integration with cloud services looks interesting. I can only assume this is going to be for AirWash, AirWatch. Um, so that 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 was interesting. Um, and then of course that they played up the Microsoft um the Microsoft partnership again. You know, Microsoft were on talking about Windows Ten again, and Sanjay, uh, who by the way rocks. I'd never seen him present before. Sanjay Poon is is a he's an incredibly good presenter. Um, he uh he's got he's he's full of uh, kind of charisma and character. Uh, the second keynote was was really really good when he was on stage. Um, although despite trying to get the the sta- the the audience to sing EUC will rock you at nine a.m. I to be honest, I mean I think people had had too much beer. They needed a coffee, and they just they he tried his best, Thomas, but they weren't having any of wow. it. So it was uh, it was interesting, but uh, yeah, I mean, and it's the, Europe. Well, that's too. You know, I mean, we know how the Europeans don't like to show any kind of emotion towards anything, but. Um, yeah, no, it it was good. He's he's definitely one to watch. I, I I like him a lot from a from a presentation point of view. The Microsoft thing was interesting because I mean, obviously there were a lot of cynics going, well, you know, this is just you know a, a strategic play or whatever. But it was it was reiterated again. Good to see. But I couldn't help but laugh after the the Microsoft demo, the end Project A Squared demo. They were showing again applications being ported from uh, System Center into uh, AirWatch for management from that point onwards. So it, it's a it was um yeah I, i'm curious to see where that, that relationship is going to go uh, if i'm brutally honest um but you know i mean vmware kind of has to play ball with the with the overarching power operating system for now anyway uh, in that space any thoughts on what we've spoken about so far guys you know it, it sounds like it was kind of a repeat of vmworld us you know i wasn't at vmworld europe but uh that's kind of that's kind of a, a bummer um in the past they've typically unveiled a little bit more euc stuff at vmworld europe um so uh, other than the boxer thing which i mean that's that's interesting it sounds like uh they're going to replace the airwatch inbox app there um which you know it had a look different look and feel on ios and a different look and feel on android so it's you know nice to have a common common app similar to how uh, works mail can has but um Cannot, could not agree more on Sanjay. He's uh, he's fantastic. Um, had a chance to sit down and have dinner with him at Partner Exchange last year, and uh, his his leadership in that in that whole business unit has just completely turned things around. As uh, he's been he's been fantastic. But I'm I'm very disappointed in the lack of uh, Project Enzo. Um, you know they they talked about VMworld US how they're getting ready to do a, a private beta here very soon. But um, still, nobody has actually seen the product, so uh, that that concerns me. 
I couldn't agree with you more in regards to Enzo. It's the one thing I was really looking for, and I scoured the the the, the session list. Uh, you know, found one or two um, Enzo pieces, but it was really kind of stuff that we've already spoken about before. I was looking for a little bit more information, but it it, it just wasn't there. You know, and the 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 promise of Q4 delivery is really starting to come short now. Um, I don't know whether they're going to pull it out of the bag in the next eight weeks before silly season, or um, I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I have some theories about that that I'll, I'll come to a little later. For now, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little disappointing to see nothing there. I mean, I would have even just been happy with Fargo slash, you know, just-in-time desktops to hold the M4 King piece. Um, that's really what I want to see. I don't really care, <laughs> I don't really care about Enzo aside from that. I just want to see how they spin that yeah. particular piece of functionality. I, I, I did like some of the uh, the stuff I saw in the around the access points, and I had some conversations back with their architect via email, and about you know how today all the authentication happens at your connection servers, but they're going to open that up and support authentication on the actual access point, so you're not to have extra you know security or connection servers if you want to have um, two factor authentication outside, but only single factor authentication inside. So there there was some good info I got from that um, from the content I saw. And um, maybe a more general remark, but um, isn't that feature promising uh, something we're seeing a lot lately with bigger vendors? I mean, I know that Citrix announced something called App Discs uh, almost or more than a year ago, and it's now in technical preview. Um, so it's not something completely new in terms of uh, promising features that are not really ready yet. Well, in in Tetris defense with AppDisk, I mean, I, I believe the first we heard of it was actually at CTP Synergy before Synergy. Would that be fair, Jay? Yeah, I believe so. So yeah, no, I hear you. I, I hear you in regards to Citrix Workspace Cloud case. Absolutely, it was it was Synergy last year that we first heard about it, and then we didn't actually see anything for it from a year. But um, yeah, no, it, it's. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I feel, or I, I, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that um, Enzo's, um, Enzo's reliance on uh, Evo Rail might be causing a little bit of an issue here. Um, but that's just that that is just complete, um, you know, finger in the air. I'd, I'd say they probably could have gotten there faster with this, but there's there's definitely something holding them up in the background. Did the Dell acquisition put a pause on things? Well, potentially too, but I mean, but from the VMware employees I spoke to at at VMworlds, they didn't they, like this. This came out of left field for them. They heard about it about twenty four hours before we did. So um, yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, personally, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it was it was an interesting session. But I, as an anecdotal or funniest moment I had at VMworld this year was uh, I actually had the, the the opportunity to sit down and have some lunch with Sean Bass. I love meeting that guy. He's just so interesting and so funny. Who's that? You know exactly who that is, smarty, <laughs> smarty <laughs> bull. But uh, we were having lunch, and you know there were there were obviously a, you know a considerable amount of Americans over for VM World Europe as well. Um, and we were having lunch, and we were eating away. And this poor unfortunate uh, fellow, obviously American, because uh, I heard his accent, decided to uh, or accidentally mixed up the wasabi from the sushi with uh, guacamole, and um, decided to put a considerable amount on his sandwich before biting into it. But uh, as Sean talks, you don't really take your eyes off him, or you definitely don't interrupt him because you're going to miss something. But out of the corner of my eye, I could see all of this happening. 
<laughs> and I was, I was, I, I tried to stay as quiet as possible. I don't think he realised it, but I was dying inside from laughter at this poor guy running around trying to find a bottle of water while also trying to listen to uh, to the to the great mind that is Sean Bass. So that was that was probably the highlight of the week for me, if I'm honest. But uh, anyway, that that was VMworld in in Barcelona. It was uh, it was an interesting one to say the least. Um, moving on swiftly, uh, Microsoft had a big announcement. Um, they came forward with the Surface Pro Four and the Surface Book and the Microsoft Band. Uh, I'm going to throw it open and uh, let's start with the with the Surface Book because uh, that seems to be what everybody's talking about on Twitter. Jerry, and what do you think? Thumbs up. Um, I like what they're what they're doing with it. I like that it's got the laptop form factor, but it can also, um, you know, have the tablet form factor. I'm not sure if I like that hinge that's on it, though, yet. I gotta probably go look at one in the store and see what that's all about, but I, I like where they're going with it. Um, I like where you can, when you're docked with the actual full laptop mode, um, it has a discrete GPU in it and, and so forth, so, you know, it, it looks promising what they're doing, and you know, if... Um, I like it the look of it, I like it better than the traditional Surface because I've had a Surface, and now it's my wife's Surface. Um, because I wasn't a big fan of the keyboard, especially when it's in your lap or that kind of thing. So I do like where they're going. I like that more horsepower to it. Um, you know, welcome to the hardware that MacBook Pro has had for a while. But uh, I, I think it's a good move. Hey, Andrew, what are your experiences with the Surface? Don't badger me into into uh, into offending somebody. Case uh, we all know, I had a very bad experience with a surface, so I'm 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 a little dubious of it. Uh, but I mean, case I mean, looking at the hardware there, is there anything that interests you? Obviously, as a as a as a as an Apple aficionado, what did you think of the announcement? I haven't looked at it to be honest. I mean, you know, it's um, it's just one of these things, and um. I'm I'm looking at it. I'm seeing I'm seeing you guys talk about it. I'm seeing all kinds of um, uh, ads coming coming through, and then I look at the price, and I'm I'm thinking, what the? How much money the are you asking for this thing? I think a fully stack um, uh, uh, Surface Pro is like three thousand something something. Yeah, it's very comparable to a fully loaded MacBook Pro. It's not cheap by any stretch. No, so you know if you want to compete, if you're Microsoft and you know that your first Surface wasn't a big success, who comes up with the idea to overprice your successor of the Surface? Yeah, but think about it. They've had four versions of Surface now, including the latest one, and I, you would think by that they would have that right with the Surface Book, and maybe that's why it took. You know, until the first version of the regular Surface to introduce this new this new product. I'm not. So, I'm still not sure if that justifies the price, though. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would completely agree that the price is um, definitely a limiting factor on these. But as a Surface Pro three user, I'm pretty excited about the Surface Book, um, mostly just because. The, the, the only downside about the Surface Pro 3 that I really have is that I, I can't put it on my lap and work, like if I'm on a plane or, you know, in the car or whatever. So uh, I got a chance to see the Surface book a couple days ago. Coworker Ryan Reward, you guys probably know him. Um, he uh, he brought one to uh, to one of our meetings, and uh, it looks pretty, pretty nice. Um, the only thing that seems kind of odd about it is the um, to undock 
the tablet from the actual keyboard is you actually have to hit a button on the keyboard. It's like a software unlock. Uh, it's, that that kind of caught me off guard. But um, but other than that, it looked very nice. But yes, the price is just uh, out of this world. I have, a, I have a little bit of a. Uh, I've kind of made a uh, made a note of this, you know, quite some time ago when Windows Eight first came out, and the vendors with their flippy hinges and swingy screens and all kinds of crazy crap that were being touted by IBM and 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 or sorry Lenovo and Dell and all the rest. I think Microsoft has a lack of faith in their hardware partners, if that's fair to say, in a sense that the Surface was kind of showing people what to do with it. And don't get me wrong, Windows Eight was 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 interesting to say the least. But by um, by having to go down the hardware route, I think it shows a lack of kind of um, faith in the, the hardware vendors. And then the hardware vendors, of course, have been trying to drive prices down in the hardware or in the in the laptop kind of space with Windows for quite some time after netbooks came out. So I mean, yeah, we you know with the with the exception of Lenovo and maybe some Dell items in the very high kind of uh, price range that you know they didn't really have solid solid offerings. I mean, even if you look at the Dell they, they, the, at the top level kind of thirteen inch one, I mean, the most RAM you could get in was eight gigs. You know, yeah. I mean, and what IT Pro wants to work with eight gigs happily, you know. So, so anyway, you know, I like it. Um, I, I understand the soft undock option for Microsoft because, I mean, obviously you're disconnecting that GPU, aren't you? When you take the screen out, you are disconnecting it from its GPU, which is uh, which is left in the keyboard. So um, there is um, there, there is a little more than, you know, kind of just like a Bluetooth keyboard with a, with a, with a with a with an iPad or like the you know the little Surface keyboards that you get as well, there there is a little more under the under the the hood. It, I suppose it's just a change of behavior. So anyway, look, I'm, personally, I wouldn't buy a Surface uh, again unless I had a had a very strong use case for it. The Surface Book I thought was interesting, very high price tag, but the hardware was phenomenal. I don't like the hinge. I think it looks really bad personally. Um, but uh, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, what, what what did catch my eye though was the band, the band too. Did you did you guys see that one? Um, you know, I, I've been wearing an Apple Watch for about you know nine months now, and it, I like it a lot. I have to say, some people get value, some people don't. Um, but the band too did look interesting. Much better battery life, all that kind of stuff. You know, um, much more uh, kind of uh, sensors on it too. Um, the very kind of attractive looking little device, but obviously it, it's going to be a hard stretch for me to justify it when I've got an Apple Watch on the other arm. Did anybody else have a look? Yeah, I, I thought it was was pretty neat, and I like the updates to it. And you know, given the price, it's it's priced pretty well. Um, if I didn't have an Apple Watch, I'd probably consider getting a, a band um, as an alternative uh, device to the Apple Watch. Um, but it's something I may get my wife for Christmas, maybe. You know, I haven't had a chance to take a look at it, I, but I do remember um, a coworker actually telling me that. His wife uh, actually went out and bought the first gen band simply because it didn't get text messages, it didn't get email, it just did, you know, it was just a simple device and um, it worked well. But um, no, I haven't looked into the new one as much. Very good. Okay, so yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Microsoft does with all this. Microsoft are definitely trying to redefine themselves, and uh, if, I mean, for the most part, with, for the people you talk to, it, it's actually gone quite well for them. So, good for them. Good for them. Um, on the Microsoft topic, obviously, we had um, 
we had uh, our, you know a technical product manager on a, on a podcast, uh, Thomas, with, with us last uh, or a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Jerry and asked him a kind of pokey question around you know what is it what are they doing in the space of um, you know application layering or anything like that or you know even image kind of standardization like um, you know uh, quicker than sysprep so to speak, and one thing that caught me off guard was uh, the partnership they had with Unidesk. Um, I knew they were partners, obviously, because, I mean, look, all of this sells Windows licenses at the end of the day, but Unidesk seemed to be a strong partner of theirs and something that they recommended. And then only in the last couple of weeks, again, Unidesk was really kind of fighting forward and touting how powerful the Microsoft RDS solution is. Um, now, it was it was a bit tongue-in-cheek in the sense that they did kind of overpromise the, the scalability of the Microsoft solution. But um, obviously, with Unidesk now... Um, being the leader in that application layering space, VMware decided to acquire App Volumes. Unidesk were kind of left out of that, and Citrix have gone App Disk route. Uh, Unidesk and Microsoft are an interesting partnership, and uh, could we see an acquisition in the space? What do we think? I, I think so. I think if Microsoft does anything in that space, it will be Unidesk, just because of, of that partnership right there. Um, especially when the the podcast that we we had um, with with uh, Thomas was. You know, what are you guys going to do for RDS image management? And, you know, he kind of shuffled towards Unidesk as their partner. And that's my take on it. I think it would be a great addition to the Microsoft product portfolio to, to acquire uh, acquire them if, they, if they're if they really serious about uh, their VDI or RDS tech. Um, we have a lot of customers running um, Unidesk on on either Hyper-V or or VSphere with uh, with with vanilla RDS, and um, the messaging I'm getting back is that they're really satisfied about the solution. So mm-hmm. um, it's not just overpromising in in terms of uh, feature richness and uh, and stuff like that. So it's um, it seems like a good combination to those two. Yeah, because yeah, I've tested yeah. it, it works really well. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, Unidesk is is a rock solid product. Um, we're having a ton of su- a ton of success with that with our customers, um, not necessarily on Hyper-V, but um, on on vSphere. But uh, you know, so for selfish reasons, I really hope that Microsoft doesn't acquire them. Um, but I can see that being a, a great fit if Microsoft wants to compete in the EUC space. But I think that that big partnership is really um, it's really interesting because it's really driving down the cost of VDI, especially in education. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing, uh, based on a lot of the press I've seen from both companies, that the education spaces are really uh, picking up on that solution. And it's back back to what we've been saying for years. You know, whether it's Citrix, VWorkspace, uh, VMware, whatever you go with, you're paying Microsoft anyway. So. I think the whole Microsoft Unitas thing just strengthens that. And, you know, people, you know, need to take a look at, you know, pure RDS deployments with Unitas because it, it's a great solution. Yeah, okay. You know, I'd, I'd echo that too. And obviously, I wish the Unitas guys uh, uh, the best of luck with that. And, and similarly, Microsoft, it would be a good partnership. Um, so, yeah, no, let's let's watch this space, I suppose. Um, oh, moving on to Citrix for a while. Uh, obviously, you know, Citrix acquired Melio. Um, well, that was at Summit this year, wasn't it? Uh, yes. So the yeah. beginning of the year, there was it announced around summit time. So obviously, Melio version six has been released. I had a quick look at the the, the release candidate, and I couldn't kind of spot anything anything groundbreaking. So I didn't dig any further into it. Uh, has anybody got any more insights into it? 
I'm going to test it out in the lab just to see what the new stuff is about. Um, it's, you know, I'm still waiting for more integration into the stack. Um, I also still find it funny that when you want to get the software, you're still going to the Melee website and it's not under the, the Citrix website. So, um, but something I have my plate to test out here in the next month. Yeah, there was something I wanted to comment about too, Jaren, is that uh, I, I was looking to download the, the, the tech preview or, or the current version. And uh, I, it came out on the media website and I was, I was really confused because I thought it was all Citrix by now. And how hard could it be to just add this download to the Citrix downloads? Hard, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because we're 11 months in, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I I, I did uh, read the the release notes, and there were some um, some some big bigger things uh, in terms of uh, uh, I thought you, the user interface was uh, um, was revamped, uh, and uh, to be honest, that was sort of needed as well. So um, uh, hopefully, it's uh, it's 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 getting better in terms of user interfacing. You know, I haven't had a chance to take a look at it just yet. I, I remember when, when Citrix bought them, I was kind of scratching my head of what's what what's the idea here. But you know, it, it kind of makes sense for you know keeping VDisks in sync across PBS servers. But I'm still a little confused. I mean, this is a storage solution based on Windows servers, right? Yes. Uh, it is, and I, I too struggle with that one at the best of times. If I'm brutally honest, um, it's uh, it, we received one or two demos, and I mean, for the most part, the demo could have been a scale out file server. So, uh, you know, if we were to look at this from a from a grand plan, I mean, obviously, you'd hope to see this integrated into the hypervisor in Zen, and then it becomes a completely different kind of game changer. But at the moment, yes, it is a storage solution based what, on Windows. Wasn't it um, Christian Riley, the the uh, VP and CTO of Citrix, who hinted to that, Andrew, on Twitter? Yeah, I kind of poked it out of him, if that makes sense. And uh, he said at later, you know, with a little trademark around it. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how quickly that materializes. I mean, I've no doubt the guys will turn it around quickly. They own an hypervisor, from what I can see, and from, from the people I've met in the Melio team, they they seem really really they seem like really really good guys. Uh, Momchil seems or Memo as he likes to be called. Uh, it, it was a, is a lovely guy. So yeah, I'd 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 I'm curious to see where it's going to go from here. But uh, I suppose like everybody else, I was kind of hoping to see more quicker, better. Yeah, because. Definitely the integration at, at some point needs to happen, um, you know, and I've had this conversation with, with you, Case, and um, Andrew on Skype before, you know, with the way it's still a, a Windows VM and the way it's not included with any of the, the suites that Citrix offers, you know, you would think something would be included in Platinum of Zen Server and Platinum or Enterprise, whatever the latest version of Zen Server is, um, and Platinum, Zen Apps, and Desktop, you, you would think they would put something in as an offering. Um, my other thing is too, is that, so right now it's windows, um, based and you're paying a premium for it, um, with server 2016 and Zen server Dundee, which does support SMB storage for VMs. Um, you can pretty much have a free converged type solution that way with, with the windows VM. So, um, still trying to wonder what the play is there when I can get a lot of that for free out of Microsoft server 2016. Good point. Good point. 
so that's Melion in a nutshell, I suppose. Um, obviously, uh, the the team OGE, you know, the Sean Bass, uh, Ben Etrich, and uh, Ruben are involved in released a white paper uh, last month on um, on you know remote graphics and uh, you know GPU and all that kind of stuff. I have had a chance to to digest some of it, and it's 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 very thorough. It starts you off right at the start, and gives you all your options up front. Uh, to be honest, I was very very impressed with it. Um, did anybody else have a chance to read it? Yeah, yes, I mean, this was a phenomenal white paper. Um, just, I was actually in the middle of doing a plan and design for a VDI deployment using um, Grid K1s at the at the time, and I mean this could not have been better timing. Um, but for me personally, but but no, it's it's a it's a phenomenal white paper. Like you said, very in depth. Um, anybody that is. Uh, whether they're familiar with GPU or not, can pick it up and understand the concepts and uh, know all of their options. Uh, just f- fantastic job. It's not only the the, the actual write down that was really good, uh, but with with Benny on the team, you know the research has been done very 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 um, methodically. Yeah, I mean he's just crazy good in in doing these kinds of tests so you actually know that the, te- the outcome of the test has been tested and the outcome of the tested test has been tested as well i mean it's um the way he tested uh, test those things it's it's, it's it's almost insane very good okay so yeah obviously we'll have a link to the to the white paper as well so you know if you if you're in any way interested curious or want to know more about vgpu it's definitely a recommended read as you can hear uh on the white paper topic obviously and, and ruben as well the application virtualization smackdown after much delay was was released and um i've had a chance to skim it but it is a massive piece of work that they've put into this one they, they've done a phenomenal job i, I believe from I got a post on facebook from rory monaghan that this has been worked on for the last nine months with with seven contributors um definitely worth the while did anybody manage to do more than skim it Yes, I have not managed more to skim it yet, but my my curiosity is with uh with, with Ruben being on Team RGE and him being Atlantis now. I wonder what that's going to do with his his workload and the the SmackDown stuff going forward with his involvement. Hopefully, he can still you know be a, be a contributor to that. Um, but just interesting with his change and going to Atlantis and then also the, the Team RGE stuff they've been doing. Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously Ruben published a lot of this stuff under PQR, which is his previous employer. So, uh, yeah, now it'll be interesting to see what happens from that regard. I think, you know, they've got a solid team there and I think it'll carry on to be picked up. But I'd say it's probably going to be the last one that that'll be released either with Ruben's association or via PQR, if that makes sense. Yeah, because this this one was still published by PQR, wasn't it? It was. I thought I saw the the file, the actual file hosted on the PQR website. Oh yeah, it's still there. It's still there. So there, there's there's still synergies there. But I'm curious to see, as Jarian mentioned, what's going to happen next. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I mean, um, looking at that SmackDown, I haven't uh, had a chance to look at it, but um, for me, most application so application virtualization, I know there are uh, tons of options. But most of my customers are looking at either uh, AppFee or uh, the the VMware equivalent uh, in app, um, or they're looking at newer technologies to layer. Is is it is it? I mean, is that still a thing in in terms of application virtualization SmackDown? Is it really needed? Oh, there are so many more players in there like that that are that are kind of niche or off the cuff. Like application jukebox, I believe they're cloud 
cloud something or other now they they have a very very clever solution and rory's been touting them for some time obviously spoon also have or the, the, i think spoon have been renamed haven't they to turbo but they 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 all they have a they have an interesting play on it as well in, in, in either direction um it's it's uh yeah there are still a lot of vendors in that space but as you've mentioned the case and you know it, it, it does ring true i think the year 2015 has definitely been the year of application layering you know with yeah. disk-based management solutions I think um, you know. I'm, I think you're still going to need the the virtualization slash isolation in the RDS Zenapp shared hosted model. But when it comes to you know desktop full desktop VDI, I think Larian is going to be the way going forward. Would you guys? Yeah, would you agree with that? I would say, yeah, definitely going forward, uh, application layering. I I still see a lot of application virtualization, mostly for use cases where apps need to be isolated or legacy applications. Um, those are, we, we still do a lot of, uh, a lot of thin app business, um, primarily around virtualizing, uh, internet explorer, um, which is kind of sad. Microsoft but... <laughs> EULA is violated. <laughs> danger, danger, but, uh, danger. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, I mean, we, we use, we, we do app virtualization quite a bit, um, because of those, those use cases. But, and a lot of times we're actually taking that virtualized app and, and put it into, uh, an application layer for delivery, but we're just using thin app or app or whatever for the isolation. Okay, so yeah, I mean, Synapse is a Synapse is a clever product, and you know, by by rights, can compare to AppV. I mean, AppV. The, the the key piece about AppV really is the is the is the versioning and the and the isolation away from the other applications, which you're just not going to get with a, with an application layering technology. So both have a part to play for now. I think the app layering for me, the reason why I'd implemented it in a project coming from. A long time of using AppV as 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 this method will be the simplicity, just the ability to attach these disks and have them fly around the place, creates a bit of a challenge when you want to put one into maintenance. But you know, it's uh, it's definitely a market to be watched. But anyway, look, we kind real, of wandered wait, a little off topic. Real quick but, though, I, I I do at times miss application stream from Citrix because that was so simple and easy, and I, I used that a lot before it got taken out to the backyard and put to rest. So. <laughs> Oh, if we're going to talk about good products or clever products that Citrix put out, the rest will be here all day, sadly. But yeah, no, I agree. App streaming was was a was a, was a good product, and to be honest, I I believe it's still featured in in the in the SmackDown to this day. So um, it, it is still there from from a mention point of view. Uh, I didn't do a huge amount with it personally, but um, it's uh, I I can see where the value is. Uh, anywho, so with that, with you know, obviously with with that, um, moving on, um, one of the big pieces of information, obviously, that, that the last couple of weeks was uh, Mark Templeton's successor, and you know, plans for for transition has been announced. Um, this news always makes me sad because I, I like Mark Templeton a lot. But uh, obviously, his, his successor has been decided upon. Um, I I'm trying to find his name now off the top of my head. I can't remember it. Uh, I can't remember. Does the, anybody remember what the interim? Uh, yeah, who's the interim? Um, good question. Um, yeah, probably should have gotten this ready. <laughs> 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 Whoops, sorry. Um, but anyway, yeah, but he I I I don't know much about the guy who's who's taking over. I believe he was a member of the Citrix board beforehand. Um, uh, Robert uh, Calderoni is the interim CEO. Oh, okay. So, Robert, uh, I, I personally don't know much about him, but it's obviously going to be a sad end. 
of a you know of an era in Citrix for Mark Mark to be going away. Um, I can only hope his successor continues on Mark's vision, um, and wish him the best of luck in that regards. Anybody else have anything to say in that? Uh, I, I would agree. You know, it's it's definitely a, a change with you know with Mark uh, uh, Mark leaving and bringing the interim CEO in, and you know, will the interim CEO turn into the long term one, or you know, what do they do um, for the replacement? I, I think there's going to be some big shoes to fill for the incoming um, CEO um, and next year at Synergy and even Summit will be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, as far as I could tell, this is, um, this is, this, this definitely should be a, um, a, a, a not a more permanent solution as, as it's, it's, it's an intern. Um, but, you know, Mark is leaving a big gap and I, wouldn't like to to try to be the person to fill in that gap. There's there's so much. I think the the thing that made Mark Templeton uh, such a great inspirational guy was the fact that he was a people person. He he know he knew how to work around people and how to work with people, and that's something um, modern day CEOs need to uh, need need to account for and and and, and learn from. Yeah, I would. I would agree. He's got um, the the next the next guy has some huge shoes to fill um, with with a lot of a lot of issues that need to be resolved. But what I liked about Mark was that um, it, it really felt like Citrix had a, a culture of dog fooding their own stuff. So like. If you walk into a Citrix office, everybody is, you know, using, um, you know, Zen Desktop or Zen App, and it, the, I have to think that based on the way he demos his his own products that came from the top down, and that's something that I really, really like about Citrix, and kind of something that I wish VMware did a, a bit more of. Um, but no, I wish him the best best of luck, and uh, I'm happy to uh, happy to share that I'm. He went to my alma mater of North Carolina State University, so I'm happy to uh, to bring that up at any point, or any chance I get. But um, but no, he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he seems like a, a great guy, and um, but their their future will definitely be interesting. That's for sure. Indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, not, yeah. Best of luck to Mark. Obviously, uh, he, he he owes Citrix enough to get this stage. He's been brilliant. So, um, anyway, on the Citrix topic, obviously, Citrix released uh, App Disk Tech Preview this month or last month, I should say. Um, I've had a chance to play with it, and uh, it's pretty good. You know, it, it's it's not great, uh, but it's Tech Preview. You know, and uh, I've enjoyed it. I'm just going to throw that comment out to the floor, Jarian. How did you get on? Um, pretty well. I did find a bug though. That's a, actually a bug in the seven six as well. So, anybody looking to use vSAN with vSphere six and MCS, it's not going to work. Um, and Citrix is aware of it, and hopefully we see a fix soon. But it's an issue on seven point six and in the tech preview. Um, I like some of the other stuff in the tech preview as well. The uh, app DNA integration they have in Studio now, um, and some of the director um, enhancements. Um, as far as, you know, there's now alerting stuff that you can set through PowerShell um, in the director alerting. Hopefully those type of things get moved partially into the GUI when it's released. Um, I also noticed, I haven't tested this yet, that there's a SCOM integration piece too where you can pull some SCOM stuff into the director console. Um, that and some of the the way they separated out some of the, um, 
the update and image rollout task as well, um, hopefully to improve that workflow for, for MCS. So um, looking forward to that release along with um, what yesterday or today, they also released Storefront 3.1 as well um, in tech preview. So they're talking about tech previews and it looks like they put a lot of stuff that was missing in the GUI inside the GUI now. Um, and adds more functionality to it. So looking for looking forward to releases of both of those. Yeah, I was talking to a customer about that new storefront release earlier today, um, and uh, the customer asked me, "Well, you know, what are what are the new options in storefront three that, or in the new storefront release that weren't in the previous release?" And I uh, I actually pointed out that uh, Jacob Rutsky, uh created the the um, storefront creation or storefront configuration tool yeah that one um so you could easily see what options were already in the the web.config in the previous release and which are uh the new features in the in the newer version as you can compare those two uh easily um so for for everyone who's, who's fiddling around with previous version of storefront uh, i would definitely check that that's all out because it's very uh very useful um, in terms of uh, app disks, I was so I've been uh, playing around with uh, with app volumes, the the, the VMware equivalent of, of app disks. Um, if you look at their interfacing, you can see that the product has has had some more time to uh, to evolve. Uh, it's it's a little bit more mature. App disk, uh, like Andy says, is uh, it it's um, pretty basic, but it works. It it, it gets the job done. And I'm really looking forward to have a tighter integration with the AppDNA. Um, I was, uh, and I, I also contribute uh, this this information to uh, to engineering uh, from Citrix that I was looking for a, a way to start or stop uh, the AppDNA uh, the AppDNA integration or the AppDNA scans. Yeah, no, I, 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 I echo what you say. I, the FDNA piece didn't feel finished to me. Um, uh, installing it was was uh, was a challenge. Um, how it scans and how frequently it scans and when it scans, it just kind of goes off and does it itself. And you know, you get a response back when you get a response back. <clears throat> that was interesting. I was I, I liked like Jerry. Like I was I was more interested in this the studio updates that they did. Uh, you know, I mean, the studio setup is is a lot easier now. You can specifically point at different databases, which was good. You know, there was um there was more pieces in there there were more kind of pieces of the puzzle there and ready that um i can see them fleshing out very very soon uh the app disk capture portion you know it left me confused uh, there was the, the, the documentation was a little light but look it's a tech preview at the end of the day so um the, the, i mean like like we've said before here that the killer feature of app disk is going to be the app dna integration so it just needs to get more solid in my opinion yeah, I would still like to yeah, see, them, see them do something together with FS Logics. I think AppDisk and FS Logics will, will make a good marriage. Couldn't agree more. From a security point of view, absolutely, cloaking stuff in those disks would make a great amount of sense. Yeah, I think they're going to have some of the same issues that App Volumes has. Um, a, a coworker of mine, Carl Stalhood, who you, you guys probably know, um, beat it up in the lab quite a bit, and you know, gave us his his take. And you know some of the issues that uh, that I think he he saw are some of the issues that that App Volumes has too. Would um, like what do you do around backing these up? You know how do you replicate them? Uh, since they're just a file living on the data store, it's, it adds some some challenges. 
Um, but he also commented, similar to, to what you did, Andrew, that the creation process was was very clunky and, and longer than it should have been. Yeah, I think I think sorry, I was going to say I think I think um, App Volumes has that process nailed, in my opinion, from a creation point of view, and it's probably a direction that I would have encouraged them to go in the sense that it's very very easy to do and spit out. So yeah, uh, anyway, uh, carry on, Shane. The other thing too is you have to be careful with, with PBS because it's going to change some of the I/O path as well. Because as you offload those applications to App Disk, it's going to take um, those that storage load and, and put it on the actual um, hypervisor storage, kind of like what MCS does. Um, that that's not going to be stored w- with the V disk or be cached in uh, in RAM for the write cache like like it does today. So there's you know look look at that admin guide. It, it spells it out pretty well for, um, how the IO path changes with App Disk and PVS. Um, where MCS, it's basically the same same looking structure with MCS and with PVS. It kind of is a mix of PVS slash MCS with App Disk. The way the storage layout is. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, on on the topic of Citrix, uh, on one last thing, obviously, Citrix released uh, their browser service, or at least a preview of their browser service in Workspace Cloud. Um, for anybody unfamiliar, you can now kind of at least or rent or or test applications or web apps in in different browser types directly from Workspace Cloud. So, you choose a URL, you choose a browser type into Explorer sixty four bit or Chrome, and um, it then renders a HTML five version of that browser in in line. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I, I'm I could absolutely see the use case if you could tunnel into your own enterprise. So if I could tunnel back into the enterprise via via the connector or something like that, so that I could use a use a, a certain type of browser to get in that way, that would be good. But I I I, I maybe I'm just missing the point. I mean, have have we tested this one? Um, I've been test I've been playing around with it, but it's not just um. So I think. Um, having a tunnel back into your on-prem uh, environment would uh, enlarge the the use case a lot. But uh, coming from uh, from um, um, so uh, when I still worked at my former job, we did a couple of um, healthcare uh, projects or healthcare organizations. They do a lot of uh, software as a service applications, and. Sometimes you would need different browsers for those applications, and a browser service could be a useful introduction or a useful uh, enhancement to your uh, to your portfolio uh, in terms of um, um, uh, adding that to uh, to uh, your your desktop services. Yeah, you definitely no more having to thin app in your explorer, right, Thomas? <laughs> Well, that one didn't know what it would be, but it's, it's, sorry, I, I, I put on that, Jerry. No, I mean, just for a second, I mean, it, it's worth noting that they only support one version of IE presently. So I could understand that there was IE 8, IE 9, IE 10, IE 11, uh, and then 64-bit offerings, and as well as a browser, but they've just gone with the latest and greatest plus Chrome at present. So I don't think that's the direction they may go. But if there was a direction they they, they may go, then absolutely. But th- that being said, I mean, wouldn't you just be using ZenApp in that case? You know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, it's a it's an interesting theory. But yeah, um, yeah. My uh, my my take is is that um, Spoon or Turbo, whatever it's called now, you know, they have a more mature piece in that area where they have all the major browsers and several versions um, and what they have for testing browser stuff. So, um, you know, they're definitely ahead of the curve on that one with their product. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Look, it's it's another one of these services that Citrix are going to be able to spin up very quickly in Workspace Cloud. So it's these little kind of point solutions, and obviously one that we can't talk about right now, um, that are are really going to start bolstering and 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 adding serious value in Workspace Cloud. So it'll be interesting as time goes on to see what is going to happen in that space. But browser is, I suppose, is the first hop off in that direction. Would that be fair? Cool. Okay, so we're 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 running ghastly out of time, um, but there is a rumor flying around, and I think we'd be doing uh, we'd be doing ourselves and our listeners an injustice if we didn't address it, and that is Microsoft does. Um, personally, I've heard this rumor a number of times. I'm not going to say where it came from, but it was a reliable source. Obviously, now Windows 10 is available in Azure catalog. Um, it looks like Microsoft is going to do does. They're offering Obviously, you to the service. They, you can get that image, but what's interesting is obviously what's going to block you is the um, is the licensing. So, rumor has it Microsoft is going to open up this licensing for everybody when they are ready. I am just going to sit back after this point, but I think it's really underhanded and nasty of them to open it up once they're ready for it. That's are you just su- me. Uh, you, you are you figured, surprised? Yeah, you figured this was going to happen that Microsoft would change that policy when they were ready for it and that's when oh, it d- d- don't don't get me wrong i've been <laughs> saying that for i've been saying that for the last 2 years that this is going to happen but it doesn't make it any less shit it, it doesn't but it's you know about time and it, it goes back to some of the the culture change at uh microsoft since uh the the new ceo has come in cuz you're looking you know open up daz you know they've been more um more open with other devices like ios and android for the office pieces so it's it goes back to that culture change, you know, that that's happening at Microsoft. So, well, and and the thing is, so you know, um, how successful could a pure DAS play be? Um, I think Citrix is doing quite well with their CWC implementation because you can run uh, your VDI desktops or your uh, your Zen app servers on prem as well. Um, having access to your on-prem applications, your corporate network, uh, stuff like that, uh, where if you're doing a pure display, pure in Azure, uh, you would have to put your, your application landscape in there as well or take a penalty of, of going back and forth uh, across data centers and maybe even across the world. Yeah, that, that's going to be one of the toughest challenges is always, you know, backing applications and data. You know, we can solve most of the data stuff today with some of the enterprise file sharing and sync products, but the backend pieces to applications is going to be, you know, how that's going to play out. So it's not going to be for everyone. And you have to look at things like probably the express route or other options like that if you have to tie back into your local data center for the backend applications or, like you said, move it all to the cloud. And that kind of brings up a bigger question. Why was Microsoft entering DAS now? I mean, like, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't really seen DAS adoption pick up because of the the concerns that you just mentioned, Jarian. So I don't I don't see what's what's the benefit to Microsoft here. It's probably the same thing what what they've been kind of doing with Azure and Office three sixty five and and that kind of stuff. Um, it's not probably not going to be for everyone. They're probably going to maybe look at some of the same models they've done with, with that. Um, 
But neighbor. I've got a yeah, I've got an interesting anecdote on this, Jerry, and if that's okay. And yeah. I kind of I kind of agree to what you, how you felt, Thomas, up until recently. I've got a I've got a funny customer here in Ireland who's uh, so fed up with his uh, hardware provider that he's locked into a contract. But instead, he is now considering bursting into Azure for desktops and uh, and you know hosted shared desktops as an additional data center. So obviously, Express Route, but it allows him to spin stuff up and spin stuff down without lead times, without without any out any of that nonsense. And obviously, one of the drawbacks at the moment is if he wants a Windows 7 desktop, well, it's just a Windows Server 2008 or 2 desktop with a with a fancy dress on, if that makes sense. So, uh, to be honest, um, you know, DAS has been crippled or hamstringed by the licensing requirements mm-hmm. to date. Removing that changes to play. And obviously, I mean, the two big data center competitors in any great any enterprise at the moment are are Amazon and 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 Microsoft but the thing about Microsoft is they're so entrenched in most enterprises that they're going to make it financially viable or beneficial or appealing to these guys to start looking at Azure as a service so um personally uh, you know uh, kind of scoffing aside at them changing the licensing to suit themselves it's actually I personally think it's a really good play and with with solutions like Express Route, so long as you're close enough or you can get the, the kind of latency you'd like to deal with, I think it's a good solution. Well, that that too, and where I was going um, to was the same thing you said about the the bursting or you know bursting for additional capacity or the the DR um, business continuity type um, option as well. I, I think that's where it it will start, and then you're you're probably seeing it more trickle down to being the norm after a few years of it uh, running. Actually, before you close it down, I had two thoughts back on that or Cis- what you know what Cisco do conversation. <laughs> um, Citrix, you know, maybe them buying Citrix, you know, could be a, a good thing. But with the price tag, you know, that you may not see that happen. Um, what about solutions like uh, Spear three D or Scale Computing? I have no idea. What about Spring Breath? Yeah, as I was saying, you know, there's other players out there they could buy, but you know, especially with with Sphere 3D, they kind of have an end-to-end solution for the application piece, along with they have their own little hyperconverge play as well. And then you know, when you talk about um, you know KVM, it always seems that scale computing comes up as well in the conversation. Maybe they might be not not as well known as what Nutanix is doing, but those are other options. And then Case was mentioning SpringPath, so I'll let him chime in on that. Well, it's uh, it's another startup, um, and I think um, uh, Cisco should be. So, if Cisco is going to make a play in hyperconverge, um, they either go big um, and look at some of the bigger players, or they're gonna do something really, really small, which uh, is still flexible, still in startup mode, which can be easily uh, integrated within their platform. And I really think that SpringPath is, uh, is one of those uh, those players that could easily be integrated in the in the Cisco portfolio. And that, that's kind of what VMware did with vSAN. They went out and got, um, what was that company's name they bought? Um, that kind of laid Are you thinking of Versto? Yeah, Versto. You know, the same kind of thing. You know, VMware went after that little startup Versto, and, you know, Versto was basically a Microsoft play. Then they started giving VMware attention and, Next thing, they were a VMware acquisition, and that came into what vSAN is today. So, you know, that kind of path is maybe more logical and easier on the financing. 
I had to Google his string path was, so I can't add any value here, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, interesting. Okay, so to, to know that there there are more options out there to them if they if they purely want a hyperconverged play. Um, but anywho, as I said, uh, better close down. So thank you to our sponsors, uh, FS Logics. Um, uh, Control Up and Liquidware Labs for being awesome and letting us sponsor uh, or letting us do what we do because we love it. Um, congrats again to our uh, competition winners um, for winning the awesome goodies that we gave away and thank you to everybody who entered our survey. It's really helped us shape what we're going to do next with Frontline Chatter so expect lots of cool things in 2016. Uh, to Case and Thomas, thanks again for joining us on our, our kind of little spin-off episode uh, this month in EUC and we'll, uh, we will see you guys next time. Uh, I'll hand over to Jerry Yes, um, so um, thank you again, everyone, for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. Before I say goodbye, I just want to say congratulations to the new Papa case. So, Oh, yes, congratulations, <laughs> Case. Thank you, guys. So I want to say congratulations to him, and hopefully, with the, what the third time around this is for you? <laughs> yes, it is. So hopefully you're getting some rest, and you have older hands to help out now, so congratulations. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>